How's it going, Faith Promise? Come on, somebody in the house. Woo, what amazing worship. We serve an awesome God. Whatever campus you are worshiping at, the Spirit of God is moving across all of our campuses, and we just welcome you, Pellissippi, Blount County, North Knoxville, Anderson County, Campbell County, Internet Campus, whatever campus you're at, we're just ecstatic that you're with us, and God is moving. The series has been awesome, so we welcome you. Uh, you saw on the video thing, uh, the announcements a little while ago, we're going to be doing a all campus together at Pellissippi CD recording at the end of this month. You don't want to miss it. It is going to rock. Now, I am Faith Promise. We are Faith Promise. Amen? You, I, all. You love your church. Anybody love their church? Come on, Blunt, North, all of us. It's his gathering. We love gathering with God's people, whether it's in uh, on a campus or whether it's in a group or whether it's two or three of us. You know, where two or three gather together, there I am in their midst. Matter of fact, God said of his gathering that he would build his church. It goes on and it says that we are kings and priests unto our God. We are a holy nation, a choice, a chosen people, God's royal possession, and he is building through his church a body, the army, the gathering of God, and it is uncontainable, it is unstoppable, it is unmovable because the power of God rests with God's people. Do y'all believe that? And so it's exciting what God's doing in his church. Now, Jesus said in the, the, uh, the, the thesis, the theme verse in this series, I am faith promises, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. My gathering is literally a better word. I'll build my gathering, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If you're new, this is what we call a winter alignment. And if you haven't noticed, it's winter. It is winter, baby. I mean, we got all, she's, all, she's big time this year. It's a winter alignment, and in that, we take the same topic, the same thesis on the weekend messages, and we go and we dig deeper into small groups. So if you're not in a small group, you still have an opportunity. Go to our next steps, fill out the communication card. Let us help you find a group because you're going to miss all that it means to belong to the body of God. And if you are a Christ follower, it is the revealed will of God that you connect with the body of God. Do y'all believe that? Every one of us is to be a part. So you need a group because the kingdom life is not lived out alone. The kingdom life is lived out in community, and we need each other. It's just one of the reasons I love my church. I need you. You need me. We need each other. We're not dependent. We are interdependent. We're dependent on God, and we're dependent on each other. Now, I want to take sort of a different angle this weekend than we've taken in a long time. I'm going to go back to something my, my, one of my primary mentors, John Maxwell, taught me, oh, my mercy, in the, back in the early 90s. This is what he said. He said, Chris, everything rises and falls on leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And I debated it. I debated him. I debated when I'd hear him talk about it. I debated his books. And for two or three years, I struggled with that because the thought of everything rises and falls on leadership, in my mind, that mitigated the power of God. That it is the, everything rises and falls on the power of God, and it does. Then as I got more acquainted with my Bible, I realized that John was right because every time there's a problem from the Old Testament to New Testament, every time a problem would rise up, you know what God would do? God would call a man, God would call a woman. 
Every time he'd call somebody, he'd call a Moses or an Abraham or Elijah or an Ezekiel or a Peter or a Paul or a Daniel. You know, he always, it was, you know, whether it was, it just was always somebody. And if you study the Bible, when Israel had good kings and good priests, they prospered. When Israel had bad kings and bad priests, what happened to them? They fell apart. They fell into sin. They were taken into slavery. The surrounding nations would move in and take them over because they had poor leadership. It's the same within the church. If you see a church that's doing well, that's growing and thriving, you know there's some good leadership. If you see a nation that's doing well, you know there is some good leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership because God uses leaders. And so let's zero in on us. On us, can I, again, something we used to talk about, but we haven't talked about it in a number of years. And as we were working on this series, it's just something that Dustin and I, we, we were working, Dustin's in our, uh, our discipleship pastor, and we are working together thinking about this. And so let me make a statement that you may know, but I want to remind you of it. Are you, if you're listening, Sam, the enemy would love to take me and Michelle out. Y'all believe that? The enemy would love to take us out. So the enemy is always launching an attack on the, on the, on the point leader in, in whatever it is. The enemy would love to take Pastor Josh and Kim out. He'd love to do it. The enemy would love to take Pastor Chuck and Emily out. Love to do it. The enemy would love to take Mike and Candace out. The enemy would love to take our campus pastors out. The enemy would love to take us out because the enemy wants to destroy the work of God at Faith Promise. Would you all agree with that? And so, it, and so the Bible says when you kill the shepherd, the sheep scatter. Jesus said, I saw the children of Israel like sheep without a shepherd scattered. And when the sheep are scattered, there's no protection, there's no direction, there's no anointing, there's no leadership, there's no vision, and people wander around and they don't know what to do without leadership. Would you all agree with that? It is a horrible way for sheep to be because the lions and the wolves are always ready to prey on the sheep. So we're going to talk about this weekend, how do we win the war? And so I'm just going to get raw and real. I'm just going to try to be as transparent as I know how to be. You guys know this is faith promise and we're real. I'm going to tell you something. I need, Michelle and I need your prayers. Would you all agree with that? We need you. And you say, well, that's, that's awful selfish. I thought, just in case somebody's thinking that. <laughs> just in case, well, I need prayer too. Well, that's why you need to be in a group. And so just, just saying, just a thought, just, just a thought. Uh, but, but listen to one of the great leaders in the, on all of the kingdom of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul said this. Are you ready? If you're ready, say we're ready. ready. Brethren, pray for us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it also did with you. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18 says this. It's in there. Pray for us. Pray for us. Listen, praying for your pastors and praying for the leaders of your church is mission critical. Mission critical. Critical. Pray for us over and over. Paul says, pray for me, pray for us, pray for us, pray for spiritual leaders, pray for our campus pastors. Listen, pray for your group leaders and pray for folks in, in the body because the enemy is always looking for a door to access, isn't he? He's always looking. 
And so I want to tell you what I do for you as your pastor. Every day I take you to the Lord. If you're married, I pray over your marriage. Every day I pray over you, Genesis 26, 12, that you'll have a hundredfold harvest this year in your relationships, in your finances, in your ministry, in your small group, in your business, if you have kids, in your spiritual growth, in your emotional growth, and in every way you'll have a hundredfold harvest. I pray for your home. I pray the enemy has no access to your home. I pray heads around your heart. The Bible says that God will be a wall of fire around us and the glory in our midst. And I pray that the devil, that God will kick the devil's tail down the street from your house. Jesus said, pray. Amen. Pray every day. And if you don't believe that, you can look in my journal. You couldn't read it, but trust me, it's in there. And so it's just that, that that's it's just what we do. Pray. It's, it's the most important thing that is your pastor I can do for you. In Exodus chapter 18, verse 19, Moses is doing all this work. He's working, he's working, he's working. And, and his father-in-law comes. And in verse chapter 18, verse 19, he said, now listen to me and I'll give you counsel. It's Jethro talking to Moses. And God be with you. This is what he said. Most important thing for you, Moses, you be the people's representative before God and you bring the disputes to God. Hey, Moses, intercede for the people. Intercede for the people. Every day you go, to the, you go to the tabernacle and you stand before the Ark of the Covenant and you intercede. How many times was God furious and about to, and about to unleash a can on those Israelites? You know what I'm talking about? And Moses stood in the gap and God said, okay, I'll cut him some slack. See, Moses interceded. And so what, what does Paul say? Because I looked up, pray for Pray for. I just looked it up in my Blue Letter Bible. It's wonderful. It's free. If you don't have it, man, go. You can download it onto whatever apparatus you have, Blue Letter Bible. And I just typed in, pray for. You can't believe all the things pray for. Pray for us. Pray, just pray for. Pray for. Pray for. Paul said, I have prayed for you over and over and over. I, I remind God of you daily. I remember you in my prayers. I remember you with tears. Over and over, pray for, pray for. Jesus said, I have prayed for you over and over. I read John 17 this morning where Jesus said, I'm not just praying for these disciples, but I am praying for the ones that are going to come after them and are going to believe in me because of their word. That's us. In John 17, Jesus was praying directly for you and me. And you know what he was praying You know what he said was the absolute most important thing, that we be one. That we be one. That that we love each other. And so we're in a war. Amen. And I'm not talking about against terrorism, although the devil is the ultimate terrorist. And there's there's a war raging. And the most important thing that we can do for each other, church, come on, is pray for each other. Pray for each other. In my small group, we've, we, we've, we've got all of our needs. We send them out every week. And then we've got all the dreams. Everybody in my small group, what their dreams are for them or their, their ministry or their business or their kids. And every day I take my small group to the Lord and I remind God of the dreams that people have in, in our group. And so you get a group, man, people are praying for you. You know, praying for, I pray third John, too, that they would be in good health and prosperous or so prosperous. I pray God will protect them. I pray for all that stuff. Robert, Robert Bruce, we call him Robert the Bruce. And if you ever watched Braveheart, Robert the Bruce is a bad guy, but we use that terminology. Anyway, and Robert's sort of overseas. He's a layperson 
uh, and he oversees our prayer ministries. And he's built a prayer team for me. He's built a prayer team for many of the pastors. He's building prayer teams for the campus pastors because we've got to pray for each other. It's mission critical. Would you all agree with that? And so you know what the greatest prophet slash priest, the greatest one in all the Old Testament was Samuel. The Bible says to Samuel, God didn't let one word he ever spoke fall to the ground. And he said in 1 Samuel 12, 25, God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you, but I will instruct you in the good and the right way which you should go. Man, we've got to pray for each other. Because would you guys agree the speed of the leader, speed of the pack? Speed of the leader, pace of the pack. I'm a pusher. I used to push drugs, now I push Jesus. I'm a pusher. I'm a pusher. Now, let me ask you, don't we all need a little push every now and then? So see, I'm a pusher. And, 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 and so what you get as you pray for me and Michelle, as you pray for our other pastors and as you pray for folks, man, pray that God will just move. Do we still believe God answers prayers? Matter of fact, I've never understood why in Ephesians 6, it's a listing of the spiritual armor. You know, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, sword of the, sword of the spirit, shield of faith, and, and shoes of the preparation of the gospel. I've always wondered why they stopped there. The very next thing is to pray in the spirit. Now, praying in the spirit does not mean praying in tongues. It means being prayed, praying energized by the Holy Spirit. It's a part of our weaponry. Man, we have it. When our kids were in high school or, man, the devil was unleashing all hell and trying to ruin them, man, we'd go in the middle of the night, they'd be asleep, and we'd kneel in their room, and we'd anoint our kids with oil. And, man, I'm telling you, we bound hell. We fought the devil for our kids. See, if we're going to win the war, come on, church, we're going to win the war through prayer. So if you're taking notes, let me give you a couple things. I just want to ask you to pray for As you pray for me, as you pray for our leaders, pray for anointing. 1 John chapter 4, it is anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Pray for anointing. Pray for wisdom. Not the world's wisdom, but heavenly wisdom. You know, when Moses left Egypt with the children of Israel, he should have gone right because it was 11-day march. But God said, go left. Well, Lord, left is going to the Red Sea. We can't actually get there this way. See, sometimes God makes a turn and you don't understand why. So we need heavenly wisdom. It's huge. We need direction. We spend half our time talking about decisions. Pray for our elders and our leadership team who support the executive staff and, and who walk with us and help us make decisions. Pray against for all of us access of the enemy that the devil has no door he can enter. Wall of fire around us and the glory in our midst. Pray that, again, no access to your staff, to, to the leaders. I'm going to give you something else that's not usually, and I want to talk to you about this for a few minutes. So I really want you to get this. If you're listening, Sam, pray against negativity. And pray against the spirit of negativity. Because, man, the spirit of negativity permeates human hearts, doesn't it? My natural bent is to be negative and critical. And you say, but you're upbeat and positive. Man, you can't believe how I pray to stay upbeat and positive. You can't believe in my life I pray gets negativity. Man, if you don't think I can be negative and critical, just talk to Michelle. Talk to my kids. See, pray gets negativity. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Do you agree with that? Now, are we a family at Faith Promise? Are you, we're a family. 
then you've got to choose what you speak about your family. Are you going to speak positive or are you going to speak negatively? Now, we'll have 5,500 worshipers here this weekend. I have never, I'm never ceased to be amazed at how with 5,500 people, negative people can find each other. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like a laser beam. About a thousand people in the room, the three negative people are huddled up, talking smack. Did you hear? You can't believe. Are you, can you imagine what they did? Now, it's very normal. You go back to Moses and Jethro and that whole deal in Moses chapter 16, verse 2. It said, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Grumbled against them. Chapter 17, verse 2. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses. Now, I want you to realize that it's just been a couple weeks that they saw the Red Sea part. And it's just a couple days before that that they saw the death angel pass over and the ten plagues of Egypt. And they looted the nation of Egypt and took all their riches and they're on the way to the promised land. They have seen miraculous things of God more than we've ever dreamed about. Would you all agree with that? And look what it says, verse 2. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water. They grumbled against Moses and said, why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And so they gathered together to stone Moses. So I figure I'm in good company. But, but, but. But we've got, to, we've got to choose to speak life. We need to choose to trust each other. Does that make sense? We need to choose. See, every time something bad would happen, they lost all their trust for Moses, one of the greatest leaders in the history of humanity. They lost trust when times got tough. And listen, we're all going to face some tough times. 2012 was a brutal year for us as we expanded the Pellissippi campus and all kind of stuff. But lest you think this is just about me, I I I want you to get this about speaking life or death. Are you listening? Every campus, you guys listen? Somebody, if you're listening, say I am. I'm going to give you something. Let's get this. This is huge. You cannot speak death without getting some on you. And that's so important. I'm going to say it again. You cannot speak death without getting some on you. If you're married, it gets on your spouse. If you have kids and you're speaking death, that death gets on your kids. Is anybody hearing me? Not only that, but that death gets into your heart. And because because of that, our hearts grow bitter, and bitterness is an ugly thing. And when you have bitterness in your heart, it ruins every relationship that you'll ever be a part of. Some of you wonder why nobody ever stays around you. Maybe you're just so bitter that you run everybody off because of something that happened or something. You can't, so, so when you're speaking death, man, it's going to get on you. There are a lot of people, their kids quit going to church. They get 17 or 18, and they bail on the church, and the parents are saying, I don't understand why my kids quit going to church because every Sunday when you drove home, all you did was speak death. Why would your kids not hate the church? When, when you're driving around, when you're small groups meeting, when people are talking, it's tick, 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 spitting death. And then that death lands on your kids and your kids say, I don't want any part of the church. 
Why would I want any part of the church? It sucks. All my mom and dad have ever said bad things. Are y'all, are, is anybody hearing me? Listen, I'm, I'm just telling you. We didn't protect our kids from the church. We tried to prepare our kids for the church. Because, see, they're, they're not our kids. They're God's kids. And we're to prepare them to serve the Lord. Does this make sense? So when you speak words of death about the pastor or about the vision or about direction, that death lingers. It lingers in your heart and it lingers in your home because God said life and death are in the power of the tongue. For out of the overflow of the heart comes out of the mouth. That death gets in there. He said, come on, pastor. Man, that's just me. I don't mean everything I say. It's just not that big a deal. Somebody spilled death on you. Somebody spilled it on you, got into your heart, and now you're carrying that. In Jesus' name, dispel the, dispel the bitterness. In Jesus' name, get rid of the past. Man, maybe a preacher walked out on you, did you wrong, kicked you out. Maybe a church was horrible to you. I, man, listen, I got that. Man, listen, churches are made up of imperfect people. If you ever find a perfect church, dear Jesus, don't join it because you'll kill it. Amen? Man. But see, people spill it on us and we spill it on others. Ephesians 4.29 says, let no. How many? How many what? Let no. Does that mean a little? Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. But every word that comes out would be edification to the hearers that they might receive grace to help in time of need. Now let me ask you a question. We just take, listen, just today, just today. Some of you hadn't been up long. Just today. Has every word that's come out of your mouth been wholesome? When your wife wasn't ready for church and you needed to go, you're going to be late. Was it wholesome? Sweetheart, we're going to be late. Take your time, but, you know, or did you get in the, horn, did you get in the car to lay on the horn? Oh, honk, 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 honk. James chapter 3 said that, that says that the tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison, and it is set on fire by hell. <laughs> That's some business right there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That is serious. It, and, but, and, and, but don't you listen. It's not just about hammering the preacher. When we choose to speak death, of me or your kids or your marriage or your small group or our vision or your campus pastor, wherever you're at, then we're going to miss God's best. We're not going to be all God wants us to be. We're not going to make it as far as God. We're not going to reach all the people that God wants us to reach. We're not going to be able to do all the ministry that God wants us to do because when God has given us life, there's people that are spitting death in there. Does that make sense? See, your words can build up or your words can tear down. Your words can help or your words can hurt. Your words can turn people to Jesus or your words can turn people away from Jesus. Your words can turn people to the church or your words can turn people away from the church. Your words can encourage or your words can discourage. The word encourage means you add courage into someone's life or your words can take all the courage out of someone's life. Who uses your tongue? Who uses your tongue? Is it God or is it the enemy? For with this tongue, the Bible says, 
Man, it is a little bitty piece of muscle. And yet with it, great forest fires are set ablaze. We can speak life or we can speak death. We can speak a blessing to our kids. You know, one of the reasons there's not a Jewish person incarcerated in the state of Tennessee, there's not one, by the way, there's not one. Do you know why there's not a Jewish person? Because every single time they gather for the Shabbat, the Sabbath meal, after they get out eating, the, the dad walks around the table and speaks a blessing over every child. The mother walks right behind him and speaks a blessing over every single child. Instead of saying you're stupid or dumb or you'll never make it or you're, you're a loser or you're last, they speak a blessing over their kids. Isn't that amazing? Matter of fact, look at the whole penal system in America and find out how many Jewish people are incarcerated. It's because they speak blessings over their kids. See, we can speak blessings or cursings. We can be positive or we can be negative. Does that make sense? When it comes to the leaders and the pastors at Faith Promise, man, we all are Faith Promise. Listen, do we make mistakes? Holy moly, I need to write a book, all the stupid things I've ever done in the church. All the bad sermons, all the bad mistakes, all the things. Listen, years ago, I preached a sermon on sucker fish, and 300 people left that weekend and never came back. 300. The staff still says, you're not going to do another sucker fish, are you, pastor? I'm not, jo- I'm not joking. 300 people left. 300. I made some bad moves. It's a spiritual gift for me. Maybe it's not your gift. But this is the deal. Let's speak life because I'm not perfect and you're not perfect, are you? We're not perfect. See, when you begin to speak death, let me tell you, it, just toward me, when the senior pastor, when you're in a conversation and somebody's hammering me, let me tell you what they've done. They've judged my heart. Hadn't they? And my Bible tells me you're not set up to judge my heart. You don't have the equipment. I don't have the equipment to judge your heart either, by the way. Now, we can judge people's actions. If somebody's having an affair, we can say, hey, that's wrong. Don't do that. We can judge people's actions, but you can't judge people's hearts. Does that make sense? Let me ask you a question. Have, have you ever been judged wrongly? How'd that feel? See, every week, you know what I hear? So-and-so left the church. Well, tell me why. Well, because of what you did. Every week. Really, what did I do? Well, you said this, or you did that, or... You didn't shake their hand, or you didn't do this, or you didn't do that. So really, God, I hate that. Is, that. is that really what they believed about me? Now, I don't want you to feel sorry for me because, listen, if you can't stand the heat, don't get in the kitchen. So I, I can stand the heat. I don't like it. But it's just in every week, in every, you know, I get emails, can't believe you, did, said, are, do, all that kind of stuff. It just, it just goes with the, and the larger the church, the more I'll get. Let me say something to you. Beware who you listen to. Because the enemy wants to take me out. Now, God can replace me, but if the enemy took me out, it'd hurt us. Wouldn't it? It'd hurt our church. The enemy wants me out. Hey, guess what? He wants you out too. He wants you out. He wants you out of this body, out of that campus, out of your small group, out of accountability out of anointing, out of protection, out of direction, so that you'll be easy pickings for the devil. You know what it says in Psalms 92, 12? Those that dwell in the house of God 
they will flourish. They will grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Can I tell you something? Listen, the devil wants you out of the house of God because the devil doesn't want you to flourish. Spiritually growing, understanding who you are, walking in the word of God, donning the armor of God, making an impact for the kingdom of God. The devil hates that. He wants you to be out of this body, out of your small group, out from under protection so that he can destroy you. Let me tell you how it starts. Are you ready? Listen. Are you ready? If you're listening, say I am. It starts by somebody says something to you about me or about faith promise or something, decision or something. And you say, really, that God, that didn't sound like the pastor. And they say, oh, yeah, let me tell you what he did. And, man, they chew your ear. And what that does, that, that begins to plant seeds because they're speaking death, right? And, you, and that death gets on you, and that death lands in your heart, and that death raises up a crop of doubt, of discontent, of disbelief. And then you look around and say, hey, you know, fake promise is not like it used to be. Pastor Chris is not like he used to be. We well, had not changed a bit. But what's happened? Your perspective changes. Now, what's going on? The devil wants you out. Some of you guys have been here for 19 years and one Sunday. 19 years. Or you've been here 15 years or 10 years, and you look around and say, you know, I remember when Faith Promise was smaller, and, man, I really liked it. And, you know, and I think I need to go find me someplace else to go. Because the enemy begins to take you out. He begins to, he begins to sow those seeds. Then you're out, and, you, you know, for a couple Sundays, you sleep in, and then, you know, you find it hard to, to find a place. And then, and then drift happens between you and the Lord. Are you with me? Discouragement sets in, discontentment, and then you're all alone. And the devil, like the roaring lion that he has, leaps on your back and attacks your marriages, uh, your marriage. Hopefully you only have one. <laughs> attacks your kids, attacks your ministry, attacks your personal growth, your devotion, your quiet time, you're serving him. And the next thing that you know, the lion of hell is eating you alive. I've Listen, church, I've watched this process for 32 years, and I'll run into somebody, and they'll say, hey, man, I'll say, how are you doing? Not very well. You know, I haven't seen you at church. I know. Why'd you leave? I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. But my life sucks, and it's falling apart. Well, of course it does. You've ripped up your roots from the house of God. And you're no longer flourishing because you're no longer on the anointing and the protection and the correction and the, the accountability. You've pulled yourself out. Man, I have a bonsai. I like bonsais. I've got a bunch of them in my office. They're miniature trees. And the way that you keep a bonsai miniature is every now and then you just yank the sucker out of the pot and cut its roots off and stick it back in there. And that's what we do. Better five or six years, we're going to go to another church. We rip ourselves up by the roots. We cut, like, rip it out. Then we go to the pot, the house of God. We cut the roots off and we stick ourselves in somewhere else and say, I wonder why I'm not flourishing. What happened? Some tongue set on fire by hell got a hold of you. Does this make sense? Come, Holy Spirit, open our eyes. And then we all miss God's best because we need each other. 30 years ago. I got on my face, and I told God this. I said, God, I don't care what anybody else on this planet does. I don't care what my pastor does. I don't care what my friends do. 
God, I will two things. I will love and serve Jesus every day of my life, and I commit myself to the church no matter what the church does to me. And can I tell you, I was a back alley drug dealer, and the worst place I've ever been treated is the church. And so, man, we need each other. Amen. Now, let me just ask you, of every campus, some of you, the seeds of discontentment are already beginning to sprout. Somebody's already whispered into your ear. Does this make sense? Come on. So I want to pray for you. And campus pastors, you guys can make your way forward. I'm, I'm going to do one more thing, so stay with us. Holy Spirit, you have told us clearly that the devil sows the weed in amongst the seed. And in Jesus' name, we ask you to help us commit to your body, the church, the gathering that you died for, Lord Jesus. That no matter what anybody says to us, no matter what the pastor, no matter what our small group leader, no matter what a staff member does, we commit to the body of God till the day we die. We commit to Jesus and his gathering, no matter what hell does, the world does, no matter what faith, no matter what, we commit to you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise in the house. Come on. Now, campus pastors, you guys make your way forward. Now, listen, I, I, this is a somber sermon, I would agree, right? We're not going to all dance out. But sometimes we just have to get raw and real. I mean, God brought you here for a reason. Some of you have not yet even stepped over the line of faith. You're coming and you said, hey, yeah, you know, I'm, I've, seen, I've had some experiences in church and they're bad and I'm sorry. My question is, have you ever experienced the head of the church? His name is Jesus. Have you ever been born again? Because he'll never let you down. I'll let you down. I'm just going to tell you, I'll let you down. I'll do something you don't like. I'll preach a sermon you don't like. I'll make a decision you don't like. Trust me. If you say, well, not yet. Well, you had not been here long enough. <laughs> but Jesus will never let you down. Every head by, every campus, every eye closed. If you'd say, man, I, Pastor, I'm not sure where I am with Jesus, but I want a relationship with him. And, man, I want to I, I know that I'm going to heaven. That I Just open your heart with us. Faith promises. Pray this prayer right now with them out loud. Just say, dear Jesus. I know I've sinned, and I'm sorry. I turn my back on my sin, and I turn my face to Jesus. Save me. Come into my heart and be my Lord. Now help me love you. Help me serve you. Help me to take the next step. I confess you as Lord in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, all God's people said, come on. Woo! Now listen, if you prayed that prayer with me and, man, you opened your heart to Jesus, come up. We're going to be dismissing just taking one of these campus pastors that are here to pray with anybody needs to be prayed with or take and fill the communication card out in front of you. You can put in the offering boxes. By the way, can I just say, man, there's so many new families that have joined the generosity journey, and every day we're praying that God's hand falls on you as you begin to bless God by giving into the kingdom of God. Amen. Man, it's already making an impact in what we're doing. Man, be faithful, and God is going to be faithful. Uh, if you need, again, if you need prayer up here, if you need get in a group, you can go to our next steps right outside that door, or you can put that in a communication card. If you need baptism, whatever you need, if you'll put that down, or come talk to one of these guys. Hey, has it been good to be in the house of God? We are going to win the war. Be blessed. See you all next weekend.